Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Change Healthcare podcast. I'm Bob Hoover, a Vice President with Change Healthcare Consulting. And today we'll be talking about information security, specifically about ransomware with John Zuziak, a practice director who leads Change Healthcare Consulting's IT risk management and cybersecurity practice. John, before we get started, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what your role at Change Healthcare Consulting is, and what your team focuses on every day, and maybe touch on your career journey and what you brought brought you to where you are today. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. So, yeah, so I've, I'm the practice director uh, for the cybersecurity and information security risk management for Change Healthcare Consulting. Uh, and really what that means, so what we do day to day is help healthcare organizations understand where their cybersecurity risk lies, what their security posture is, and ways that we can improve that help them defend against any type of threats that are out there and make sure that their systems are fully secure and compliant going forward. Uh, how I got here, so I really started off within information security a number of years ago on the, the financial side uh, and, and took a role in information security with a, a healthcare organization after that and learned that I absolutely love working in, in healthcare uh, and, and information security. So it's kind of balancing those two. Uh, it's unique, it's different from any other industry. And, and played a couple of different roles, including information security officer for an academic medical center in the Midwest prior to coming to change healthcare. So now at this point, it's really my joy and, and kind of passion to help organizations improve their security posture and make sure that not only are they compliant, but they're protecting the, the patients themselves and the patient data. Thanks for that, John. We seem to see many organizations being impacted by ransomware. And recently, the FBI and Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency from Homeland Security sent an update, update recently that had a credible information of increase in imminent cybersecurity threat to U.S. hospitals and healthcare providers. So this is out there. This is in the news. John, why are we seeing a major increase in hospital ransomware attacks? You know, it, that's a great question. And, w- and what we're seeing is, sort of the easy answer is it works, right? When, when we look at healthcare, we look at um, healthcare industry, we hold a lot of data um, and, and we're holding you know, financial information, we're holding patient and demographic information, the member demographic information. Uh, we have all your, the healthcare information. And so with that, the, you know, the attackers know that there's value in it. And we're looking at you know, large amounts of, of this data within these organizations. And so what happens is when an attack occurs, that data becomes compromised one way or the other. So it's not necessarily that the data is, is stolen and taken out to the, you know, the, the dark web to be sold. In some cases that does occur, but if they can lock up systems and make sure that there is a disruption within the healthcare delivery, that will panic. And by panicking, we'll be willing to pay the ransom, which is what really what they're after at this point. And so, Kind of long story short, the reason why it's, it's being attacked today is it is working. We've seen a number of the, the ransoms being paid uh, at really astronomical numbers. Uh, when I started in this, the first ransomware case that I was a part of, uh, the ransom was $500. You know, small number, seemed big at the time because that was new. Uh, but, you know, that was probably 10 years ago. It was a $500 uh, ransom. And today we're seeing that these... Um, these ransoms are anywhere in the, you know, they're millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. So you can just see as, as it escalates and as we continue to pay and really make this sort of economy uh, function, 
uh, it's, you know, it comes back to supply and demand. Uh, if we're paying for it, they're going to keep asking for more until they're not getting the money. Um, and, and that's where we're seeing it. So these, you know, the days of it being just a sort of a teenager in a basement hitting the keyboard just to see what they can do um, and causing some disruption, those, are, you know, those days are really gone. And what we're seeing now is these are sophisticated attacks by nation states, the Russia's North Korea, China, large scale attacks, sophisticated attacks taking place and asking for these ransoms. And so unfortunately it continues to increase because you know, the value is there. We're willing to pay for it. And, and they're looking to fund whether it's an organized crime ring or uh, a nation state. So I, I do have a, a, a question. You know, I, th- I, I think I read recently that the you know, advice, I think it's coming from the Fed is to not pay the ransom. Is that, did you see that? Is that something yeah, you're familiar with? I am. So I'm still reading up on it because it's kind of ever changing. But yeah, the U.S. Treasury standard, they're not going to fine organizations that pay the ransom. Um, I think there's, you know, that's that's easy to say. And there's a lot of going to be a lot of give and take there. But that's that's the route they're going. And, and the reason is it's simply as we continue to pay the fines, they're going to ask for more money. Um, so or as we continue to pay the ransoms, they're going to ask for more money. And so they're trying to really reduce that pressure on organizations and if they just if the government says you can't pay it or you'll be fine you know, they're hoping that that will stop us from from making those payments and and really starting to kind of sort of kill that chain uh, of ransomware at that point uh, very tough to make that decision i'm sure so what are some examples of hospitals or health systems that have been hit recently yeah so there, there's been a lot you know we have um just recently in the last in a few weeks uh, we've had over 20 healthcare organizations that have been hit by ransomware, um, and, and well over 60 this year. So, I mean, the numbers are, are are growing dramatically. And I hate to call out organizations by name because I think that's one of those areas that really we're all susceptible to it. Um, it it's right. kind of a matter of time if we're not careful. But we're seeing, I mean, it, all across the board, we've seen hospitals in you know rural Kentucky, Ohio, who have been hit by ransomware and shut down their um, their organizations and unable to deliver care. And we've seen some massive um, incidents, or massive organizations hit with the ransomware where, you know, 250 plus facilities are, are, are shut down or limited capacity at that point uh, to deliver services. Uh, and, and I think the one that really scares me the most is, you know, thankfully it was, I shouldn't say thankfully, uh, there's an organization in Germany, a healthcare organization in Germany that was on diversion because of ransomware. And they had to turn a patient away. And it took about 20 minutes for that patient to be transported to another hospital. And when that occurred, it was about an hour delay in treatment. And unfortunately she passed away. So we're now starting to see instances where this ransomware, which was traditionally just making a system unavailable for a you know, short period of time, we're actually starting to see that patient impact and where it really is interrupting care and, and becoming a patient safety issue. Is ransomware more dangerous than other cybersecurity threats? That's that's difficult because I think it's going to be. You have to look at it very unique to each organization. Um, you know, unfortunately, in this case, you know each hospital is is unique. It's a very complex organization, right? We all kind of do things a little bit differently. Um, but I do think ransomware is taking on that that face where it is more dangerous than other versions and other forms of malware. Um, you know, within the hospital. It's one thing if it's just an individual's laptop or maybe a file print server gets hit with ransomware and, and locked up and they're unable to provide services from that. 
But if it's a, uh, uh, the electronic medical record, the whole system within the hospital is shut down. And depending on how that organization works, it you know, could be shut down for a couple hours to days while they recover. That's getting very dangerous. That's unable to, to deliver um, that patient care as we're expected to do. And uh, the other thing is if it's medical device, if that gets hit with ransomware, uh, standalone might not be an issue, but if you can just, you know, I hate to get on that, that dark path, but if you think of while you're delivering a procedure, if that medical device is locked up or the integrity of that system changes, you know, while you're delivering treatment, uh, the, the safety issue there is very concerning. In fact, I do think it is starting to get, you know, more dangerous, mainly because that's the main tool that's used today. Um, one thing that we do within Change Healthcare, I think this really helps organizations understand where their risk is, is when we do a security assessment and, and a risk-based security assessment, we look at it a little bit differently than a lot of, a lot of others do. So we do the, you know, the traditional compliance-based assessment or you know, based on a framework, uh, NIST, high trust, and, you know, we can do those types of assessments, collect a lot of good information. But where it changes, and I think this is really where it helps the healthcare organizations, is we will start to do a risk analysis based on particular threats to them. So as we go through their information, we're looking to see, you know, are they getting a lot of phishing in, are they getting a lot of spam in, things like that, things that we know are the kind of tipping point or the arrow for, for ransomware. We'll look at that and then start to develop scenarios. And so we'll, we'll break that down that scenario, for instance, ransomware. We'll look at their assets, how it would really play out in their organization or an example of how it would play out in their organization and see what systems would be impacted and how that would impact their care. So we'll look at it a little bit differently than just the traditional, you know, because you have some vulnerabilities, you haven't patched in a while, you got a high, you're at high risk. We'll look at it a little bit differently and walk through that scenario. So as you go through and you're hit with ransomware, if the system goes down, how does your team react to it? How do, how do you handle your downtime procedures? Will you go to diversion? And then here's what's critical. We'll look at how does that impact not only the, uh, the patient safety aspect or the regulatory, for example, if medical records were compromised, but what's the financial impact to that? What does that downtime cost the organization? If you're unable to deliver uh, you know, imaging or you're unable to do uh, certain departments are shut down, how does that impact the financial aspect? And you, now you have a number to go to leadership with to say, you know, we have a, our risk isn't just high, medium, and low. Our risk is potentially $50,000, $100,000, a million dollars, uh, if we're shut down or hit by this type of, of malware. So I think that helps kind of put that in perspective and, and really help craft it for each organization to know, you know, based on their, their complexity and what makes them unique, here's the potential you know, impact to us. Is there a reason why hospitals are particularly vulnerable to this sort of attack? There, there are. Um, you know, every industry is getting hit with ransomware, so we're not alone in this. But it is, it is different for hospitals in the sense that, you know, we traditionally, you know, the majority of our workforce isn't sort of sitting at the desk in kind of a, a standard work environment. We have all of our clinicians moving all throughout the hospital, um, you know, seeing patients, jumping on different machines. A lot of these machines are in sort of that public-private space um, and working. So that makes it unique for the provider space uh, and, and why individuals could be vulnerable, right? They're fast-paced, clicking different things, checking things from different um, workstations. So nothing is really standard in, in that space. You know, it's, it's hard to look for some of the unique changes within a, an email or a message because 
it could look different from every machine, whether it's a handheld device or, or a computer. The other component to it is the amount of data that we have. Um, so, and this is the same across, you know, the health plans and the providers. The amount of data uh, is, you know, incredible. And we're, we're trying to share that data with a lot of different people. So there's a lot of different uh, roles set up within systems, uh, which, you know, just traditionally kind of makes us a little bit more vulnerable because we don't want to limit access uh, that, you know, would prevent a, a provider, a clinician from accessing that data to help the patients. We kind of err more on the side of taking a little bit more risk when it comes to some of these, these cybersecurity practices because we need that data out there and available to those looking at it. Um, so I think that does, you know, contribute to the, to the issue that we have. Um, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing in that sense, right? Because from a, our, our mission isn't necessarily cybersecurity within the healthcare industry. Our mission is, is helping and treating our patients. So that's, is, this is kind of one of the unique things that set us up. I think the other piece is, I mentioned the complexities within healthcare. Uh, you know, every, every payer that I've been to, every hospital that I've been to, um, medical practice, everything is just, it's, it's very complicated in the sense that you have legacy systems that are out there. Um, those are helping to deliver the patient care. You've got these brand new systems that are standing up, the electronic medical records, which we, you know, now we're getting a handle on them, but you know, five, 10 years ago, they were new. We didn't really know how to, to manage something quite that big, and we had a short time frame to put it in. So unfortunately, corners were cut or things were cut, so we would say, we'll come back to this down the road, and it's taken us a while to get there. I think we're starting to get that foundation in place with a good security posture, but we had a lot of things in the past that were stacked against us. So just one more question on that, on that point. So you know, you're providing information to executives to have to make decisions. Are, and, and I would say probably five to ten years ago, maybe ten years ago, you know, the, it was so new that, um, you know, the, the, you know, the, there wasn't kind of a, a good process or way to make these kind of decisions. Do you think executives today are, are more ready to and they better understand? You know, you, you mentioned you're sharing information about the cost of the threat mm. of the risk. I mean, where do you think we are from a maturity perspective and leaders understanding what these risks are and, and their willingness to spend money to mitigate risk? Yeah, I, I think we're, we're coming along. I wouldn't say we're, you know, we're very mature yet. We're getting there. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the healthcare organizations now, or, or the majority of the healthcare organizations now have dedicated uh, employees just for cybersecurity. So that, that's, that's a great thing to see. Um, and we're now communicating what, you know, what our key risks are. Um, one thing that's, that is interesting, and I'm now starting to see this evolution within, within healthcare, but traditionally, healthcare organizations, the hospitals, the payers, phenomenal at risk management. Right? That's, that's really what we do. We, we handle risk management, we do it great. Um, and from a cybersecurity perspective, we haven't done a very good job of communicating what the cybersecurity risk is to the organization. We really kind of, you know, traditionally we've kept it very contained to what's the, what's the risk to the IT department or the IT asset, but it, that wasn't really, you know, relayed or, or we couldn't connect that to what, that, what does that mean to the organization. We're starting to see that now. We're now starting to use uh, the same terminology. We're using, you know, risk management terms. We're, we're looking at things differently. So when I mentioned that, you know, we're, we're able to give a, 
what that financial impact is or the regulatory impact, we're, we're now quantifying that risk. We're using things such as the fair ontology to, to quantify risk, to speak in terms of that the risk management team, the executive team understand. And that's really helped, I think, those folks come to, to the realization of, you know, that this is serious or in our, you know, potential organization, it's not as, as serious. And we don't really need to spend the focus, the attention on that because we have, you know, limited risk where we've diversified or put in different controls to limit the risk. So I think it's, it's coming along. Like I said, we still have a ways to go, um, especially in healthcare. Uh, we're going to continue to see a lot of these threats uh, impact the organizations for, for some time, but we are getting there and we're seeing great progress in that space. John, has COVID-19 exasperated the issue for administrative staff working remotely? It has, uh, and, and not so much in the sense that just the fact that we're working remotely, it's exasperated the issue. What we're seeing is it's, of course, with a lot of things, it's, it's you know multi, multiple issues coming together. So when COVID started, the, the threat actors, you know, the bad guys saw an opportunity. And the amount of phishing that occurred in order to get people to, to click an e- click within an email, provide their data, or deliver malware such as ransomware to uh, to their systems, dramatic increase. Um, I've seen some numbers that it, it increased, you know, two to three hundred percent. I've seen up as much as six hundred percent in the amount of phishing attacks that were occurring. So whatever that number is, massive increase. That with the fact that a lot, and a lot of us in the healthcare organization, we weren't really prepared to work remotely like that with those numbers. So all of our security controls really weren't in place to manage a remote workforce. So there was a short period of time where we definitely had a lot more issues. We had an increase in, in threats. We had limited um, controls to prevent that. So a, a number of vulnerabilities, and those were very becoming very successful attacks. Since then, we have put in a lot more controls. We've educated staff on sort of these, uh, and I hate to use the term, but new norms uh, to get them used to it. And also we're now starting to see you know, people filter back into to the office. So we've seen the increase in controls uh, to help reduce the, the attacks. Unfortunately, the number of attacks are still increasing. So we're seeing a lot of these attempts and, and you know, it's, it's a numbers game, right? Even, even if you're 99% uh, sealed and great and you know, very small chance of something happening. If the numbers are against you, it's probably going to occur. So I think that's why we're seeing this uh, increase in actual ransomware events taking place, uh, because it's just the numbers are against us right now. Interesting. So we talked a lot about what's going on, threats, impact. What about prevention? What can healthcare organizations do to prevent ransomware attacks? So the key is, it starts off with educating the employees. We have to, to educate employees on you know, what to see, uh, what to expect when a, an email comes in. A lot of organizations are putting those banners in that says it's an external email. Um, it's you know, created outside of this organization. That's a, a great first step because that helps us filter out those uh, really sophisticated looking emails that, that match our organization or look like they're coming from inside. When you have that banner on there, it's an easy thing to spot, you know, just to either delete it or, or you know, maybe look at it with a little bit more caution. Uh, so that's a good thing. The other th- piece to it when it comes to educating employees is what to do when we click something. You know, if, if something looks like it, you know, you're, you're working quickly, you're, you're multitasking, you see the email come in and you click something, you provide your information and you realize I shouldn't have done that. 
the next step that we need to do is educate on what do we, where do we go from here? How do we report this? How do we make sure that the, the IT or security teams are seeing this and able to react to it? Uh, it's, it's critical in this space that we reduce that time of impact. So when an event occurs, we have to reduce the time that we to react to it and to uh, eliminate that threat. So that education process is key. Another component that's, that's critical for us is backing up the files regularly and frequently. And this is something more on the, the IT teams, but as we start to see this distributed um, groups and we have you know, different file systems that we're using, we have to make sure that those are backed up regularly. And the key is making sure that they're backed up and se separated from the current systems. Because the last thing you want to do is you, know, you back up your data, um, looks good one day, you get hit with ransomware, you back it up, you're not exactly sure that something's bad, it automatically backs up and overwrites that good backup. Now, not only do you have a compromised system, but you have a compromised backup. So you need to make sure that you're doing these, sort of these snapshots and keeping them separate, uh, just in case an event it does occur, you can refer back to the last good copy and get yourself back online, hopefully only reducing you know, the amount of impact to, to a short window at that point. Yeah, another piece is making sure that we have, you know, um, we're limiting who has access to our systems and that, that, that system access is limited to only really that need to know. Um, that does help because if you have administrators or, or the folks with elevated privileges within the organization and they're hit with ransomware or some type of malware you know, on their device, that will spread. So you want to limit that access. And to me, the most important piece, and what is probably the most, it's easy to say, but it's the most difficult to really uh, push out there in healthcare is patching our systems. Uh, we have to have these systems up to date. We need, um, I don't want to say the latest technology, but we need the best supported applications, operating systems um, that are fully patched. That's really where all of this starts. Um, our antivirus software, the other pieces that, you know, other controls that we have in place are really almost compensating controls to the well-patched system. Because you know, if we if we have that system fully patched, then the vulnerabilities that exist out there, um, the bad guys can't exploit. So we want to make sure we have fully patched systems up to date um, and well monitored. So John, you talked a lot about education and prevention, but what happens when something does occur? I'm an end user. I push the button. What what am I to do? What's what's the next step? Yeah, and that's unfortunately it's going to happen, right? I think it's a matter of time that that we're going to get hit with ransomware. So the key is how do we react to it? Um, to me, the first step is if we have, a, if we have the good controls in place, uh, we have a, a, an event detection response system, something like a CrowdStrike that will immediately notify us that you know, something bad has happened and shut it down, that's great. A lot of times we don't, we don't have those controls, we just don't have the funding to implement something like that. So we have to look at some of those secondary controls and processes. And the key piece is our incident response. How do we respond to, to an infected machine? How do we respond to those users? How do we eliminate the, the messages from our email system? Uh, those are things that we, you know, we need to have in place. We need an incident response playbook ready to go that we can just kind of pull off the shelf and respond to it. And the key to that is we need to test that. We need to test not only the incident response procedures, but our downtime procedures. How does the IT team and the, the technical teams respond to an incident? And how does the business respond to it? Are they is, from a hospital perspective, you know, is the, the emergency room capable of going without the computer system? And if so, how do they run through those processes? How do we chart? Um, when it comes to, you know, other systems, we need to make sure that those, those downtime procedures are in place so we limit the impact. Uh, 
of course, the key is we want to make sure that we're looking after the patient safety. Uh, that's that's number one. But number two is we want to make sure we can you know, function as much as possible and not limit the financial impact to the organization. Uh, we've seen it. This has a, been a rough year for all of us. Um, healthcare organizations, you know, were were forced with a lot of cuts that they had to make. They weren't able to do the elective procedures for a while. And so now that we're getting back online, the last thing we want to do is get hit with a ransomware attack and take another financial hit. Um, so my recommendation with that is, you know, you want to have some form of tabletop exercise to go through your, your uh, incident response plan, but then also those downtime procedures. And that's another service that we offer from Change Healthcare that we'd love to help organizations with. It's a very quick, you know, one-day engagement where we, we talk through those processes. We kind of run you through another one of those scenarios, like I mentioned before. Uh, so you can understand in real time what's, what would an event uh, look like in your organization? How would you react? How do you communicate uh, those procedures out to folks and make sure that, you know, you have the best plan in place. Plan might not be perfect, but you'd much rather have 80% of your plan in place and, and deal with the 20% than struggling through, you know, 100% of that event. John, thank you very much for your time today and talking about ransomware, providing education. I mean, I, I think in one sense, you know, this is our reality today, and mm -hmm. it's really about education and preparation and then having you know, your ducks in a row in terms of to respond to an incident. Um, I think healthcare, from my perspective, being in this world for a long time, has come some way, but we still have ways to go. And it's, and it's continually looking at how you're managing risk. So thanks again, John, for, for, for your time and, and your wisdom. Absolutely. Yep, thank you. For our listeners, don't forget to check the show notes for links to resources and contact information related to today's show. And stay tuned to the Change Healthcare podcast for more shows covering the healthcare IT topics that you care about. For more information on cybersecurity and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Again, my name is Bob Hoover, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.